uh, Damien Maffei from the Strangers Pray at Night, and uh, I'm excited to know that you guys are out there enjoying some of the things I'm a part of. And if I had any advice to give you, Brian, Nico, Mike, don't go out there. Why are you doing this to us? Because you were home. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, and Mike, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Um, first off, before we even get started, I just want to say thank you to everybody who's been listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, I don't really know if everyone who listens truly understands how much all the, co- all the hosts um, are truly grateful that you take the time to listen to us. You know, this is just us speaking on our passion. And um, it's really just awesome that you guys are loving it and giving us so much good feedback. Tonight is my, it's my night to pick a movie. And uh, I chose a very, very nostalgic movie for myself. Um, it's not like Drew growing up with his grandmother at a really young age, but I was in high school when this movie came out. Tonight we're reviewing 2008's The Strangers. And I still, I'm not going to get super, super deep into like my story of watching this because I want to save that for my rating. But I remember being, I think, in 11th grade, me and some friends going to see this movie. And this is a rated R movie. And uh, you have to be 17 to get into a rated R movie. And the only person who was 17 in that group was me. And everybody else was 16. So they could not get in. So I went and watched this movie by my lonesome. And... This movie hit, don't get me wrong, it hits really good at home, honestly, if you're by yourself and watch it. But when you're in the theaters by yourself and you're surrounded by the noise and you see these visuals, it really, really hits at home. Uh, I truly, really like this movie, and that's just my basic, uh, that's just my general thoughts on this movie. Brian, what's your general thoughts on this movie? Um, actually, this is the first time I'd ever seen this movie. Um, oh, nice. And- and hey, look, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, there's some some nitpicks here and there, and and I have a little bit of a uh, an issue, not an issue. I'll explain it at the end about the end. But I really loved this movie. Um, all, I mean, honestly, a lot of the tension building scenes in this movie felt a lot like '78 Halloween. So, um, you know, and and I, I love that there's not a whole lot of backstory there. You know, you're kind of on a journey with the characters. I, I really, I really like how they played this out. Um, you know, actually, I'll tell you a story. When I was watching it, um, you know, my mom came in um, to come over and see the baby, and and walked in and said something about, "Oh, hey, what are you watching? Oh, that looks good." And I said, "Look, you know, this is. You know, can I borrow it?" And I was like, "Hey." This isn't like a horror movie. This, I mean, like, I won't say it's not a horror movie. It's not a slasher type movie. You know, this right. is like home invasion type movie. And she said, right. oh, okay, well, never mind. Because like that's, it's a little bit more disturbing when it's really right. realistic. And this is right. pretty realistic. Go ahead, Mike. I agree with you, man. I, uh, overall, I, I enjoyed this movie. It's probably, this is probably my third time seeing this movie. I saw it pretty soon after it came out. Again, I was. I was back into horror and thrillers and all those kinds of things. 
So I remember seeing it, not in the theater, but shortly after it came out on DVD, I went and, and got the DVD and watched it with some friends and thought it was really well done. Um, again, you made a really good comparison, Brian, which, uh, spoiler alert for later, Halloween 78 is my favorite horror movie of all time. This movie, while not, to me, while not as good, the cinematography is not as good, stuff like that, but it does remind me a lot of 1978 Halloween. The way right. they use the suspense, the way they use the mood, the atmosphere, the lighting, the music, all kind of plays into what is actually scary about this movie. Um, and I will say there are moments where this movie is genuinely scary. I have some nitpicks like the rest of you. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But overall, I really, really enjoyed the movie. And also, <laughs> sure we'll get into it, but uh, A-plus for Liv Tyler casting. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I have, to, hey, I have to be on brand, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and unlike 30 Days of Nights, this movie's going to be real easy to remember all the characters. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> there's yes. only just a few of them, which... Which kind of adds to this movie, in my opinion. Okay, I kind of like that. I like yeah. that there's a limited cast. Y'all boys ready to jump into the review? Let's do it. All right, this movie starts off with some captions on the screen. It just says, "Inspired." I wrote it down. Inspired by true events. According to the FBI, there are an estimated 1.4 million violent crimes in America each year. On the night of February 11, 2005, Kristen McKay and James Hoyt left a friend's wedding reception and returned to the Hoyt family summer home. The brutal events that took place there are not entirely known. The film starts with um, just it's, it, 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 you, you hear a 911 call and it's this little kid calling 911. And, you know, the kids, he's freaking out. He's uh, he's real. He's real terrified of the, the scene he rolled up on. It just it shows his house and it shows blood on the wall, a gun on the uh, on the on the counter, uh, a bloody knife on the ground. And it, you know, and it just then it cuts to a quiet car ride with our two stars of the movie, James and Kristen. Um, it's kind of you can feel something there. You can feel the tension between them because they're not saying nothing. Uh, Kristen's got tears kind of in her eyes. She's got kind of that sad blank face. James has that disappointed man look, which all three of us know, I'm sure. <laughs> and it gets to they get to the house, uh, the summer home. Um, James just gets out of the car by himself, doesn't say nothing. He goes and checks the mail for some reason because it's just a summer home. I, I thought that was a little bit weird, personally. Bit. He checks the mail. She just sits in the car by herself. They walk in, you know, and, and Kristen notices there's, like, rose petals all over the ground. Uh, there's candles everywhere. It was, it's, a, it's a really, really romantic setup for, for the two of them. She she goes to go take a bath, Um he helps her take her, you know, draw her, uh, her dress off, her necklace off. And James calls his friend and leaves his, his friend Mike a voicemail saying how everything's what's happened and didn't go the way he planned. And James is sitting at the, uh, he's sitting at a table eating some sponsor plug, Bluebell ice cream. Yeah, I was going to say, somebody <laughs> paid for that. Uh, y'all, y'all boys, uh, Mike, uh, you got any thoughts on just this little opening part? I think it does a really good job setting up the characters that you it, it's not too look so a lot of a lot of people kind of think it's a negative when we don't get a lot of backstory i think in this movie it helps you get just enough there's just enough character development or development to let us in to the characters lives without taking forever to do it so we i mean we have two likable characters on screen one wanted 
to marry this woman he was truly in love with. And you kind of can see it from her perspective. Maybe she's not quite ready, doesn't think it's working. You know, there's clearly something missing. And so I think everybody's been in a situation where they can relate. So not only does <laughs> not only are we like in their lives, but we can kind of relate to these people. We we see ourselves in these people sometimes and and it makes the movie a little bit scarier as it goes along. So I really like these scenes. I I think the acting <laughs> sorry, I think the acting by Liv Tyler is great, especially in a couple of the uh, little scenes we get to uh, anyway, great job. And by the way, the character of Mike, well, I'll wait. How about that? I'll <laughs> go, wait. Go. Uh, all right, go ahead, Brian. Uh, yeah, I was going to say the the acting in this movie right off the bat it's grade A, it's top notch, it's, it's you know a step above almost a, a, a lot of the horror movies that that we've reviewed. Um, also, you know, in, in in direct contrast, I think to the last one, Silent Night Deadly Night that we just did. Um, you know, like like you said, there's not a whole lot of backstory in this and. Unlike that movie, you really don't need it here, right. and I re- and I really like how you know it, it unfolds a little bit at a time throughout the movie, just through some flashbacks. But you know they're not long, lengthy flashbacks. You know they could have shown you all this they wanted to, but you get you still get the same character relationship that you get, you know, with that long drawn out. But it's you know a little bit at a time, and I really like that. I'm a sucker for these quote unquote true events you know, movies. And, uh, I, I really, you know, I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed this one, uh, for sure. Um, also one last thing in the opening scene, the houses that they show are supposed to like resemble a specific house from various horror movies, such as like Amityville horror house and Halloween, et cetera, like that. So that's a little, little fun factor, uh, plugged in there. Go ahead, Mike. And Nico, one more thing. So inspired by true events is a very nice cop out. For a lot of films, which I'm not saying that it's not true. I think the director even mentioned that it was uh, loosely inspired by a series of home invasions and robberies happened in his neighborhood when he was a kid. A lot of people thought it was inspired by the Manson murders, maybe certain aspects, but uh, he kind of shot that down. So inspired by true events, which we kind of talked about in Detective Chainsaw Massacre. Man, you can get away with a lot of shit. <laughs> you can get, yeah, and, oh, and, right. and even though it's, I mean, it doesn't seats. even... It doesn't even have to be true, like oh, for no, real no, true no. to me. No, but right. like you know, just just having that, well, this may be true. I think it helps. Just having yep. that, it helps. It yep. helps a lot, at least in my book. Like yep, I'm a I sucker agree. for those kind of movies. I agree, hundred percent. Oh yeah, that definitely added that, uh, to the atmosphere. Like yep. when I went and saw the movie in theaters, like it's like, oh shit, this this kind of some of this might have happened, you know. Um, all right, let's jump into the next scene. As Kristen's in the bathtub, you know, she's sitting in there. It's a beautiful bathtub. I feel so bad for my guy James. She's in this rose petal bathtub, and she she you know she puts her head against her knees, and she starts recapping the night. They're at this wedding reception, you know. She's sitting at the table with her friends, laughing, having a good time. James pulls her outside, and she says how cold she is. But then James pulls his ring out and says, "I want to," you know. He proposes to her, and she 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 starts to you know gets that blank face and tears up a little bit. She just says. I'm not ready. And that's why the the car scene was so, uh, it was so, so dry. So, so tense between the two. So she gets out of the, uh, the bathtub. She joins him. She tells, she tells James how nice everything looks. And then James, you know, my man is kind of broken right now. He says he can't keep the ring. It's too embarrassing. He doesn't have, 
you know, he's he's hit too much pride as a man to take this grin back because he knows how bad it hurts to get rejected. She apologized, and you know, it's understandable what Kristen says because he asks like, "Where are we going from here?" But she apologizes and just says she's not ready. So I kind of just took that as myself that they're going to stay together, but she's just not ready to marry him yet. That's just my interpretation of that scene. That's how I viewed it too. Yeah, he gets up, he puts a record on uh, on the record player, old school. Um, she gets up, she starts to hug him from you know from the back, and then they turn around, they start kissing. He puts her on the table. He's getting ready to take her to Pound Town. <laughs> then all of a sudden, there's a and you know it's four o'clock in the morning too, and they they hear a knock at the door, which is you know catches them really off guard. They open the door, and uh, a part of this scene that I really like is before this girl knocks on the door, she you know she untwisted the night or the outside light so they couldn't see her face, and as soon as they open the door, she says, "Is Tamara home?" And James is like. Uh, wrong house. There ain't no Tamara here. And as she walks away, I really, really like this part. She says, see you later. Oh, great. Uh, great line. Awesome. Brian, you, you got a thought on that scene real quick? Yeah. I mean, look, the guys, you already feel super bad for this guy because of the, the, there's been what, hardly 30 minutes of this movie, not even that, maybe 15 minutes of this movie. And in that little short time, you have such amazing character development that you already feel super bad for this guy, feel bad for this, you know, the situation that they're in and love both of these characters just like that. So to me, that's like amazing writing. But and and at the same time, you instantly hate whoever's at the door. Anybody right. that's at the door, that's that's cock blocking my guy right now. It's perfect. It's perfectly done. The yeah. line, see you later, is so well placed. And I mean, yeah, it's a dead giveaway, but it's it's, it's just really well done. And also... I'll admit, I feel bad for my guy James here. However, I feel bad for Kristen as well because it is very, very clear she does. She didn't want to hurt him. Right. Like she, she's not purposely doing this. It's not vindictive or anything like that. She's clearly, I think, in love with him. Just maybe isn't quite ready to take that leap. And I think that's relatable for a lot of people. And so, again, like you said, Brian, Anybody that knocked on that door, because they're really about to have a really nice scene where, okay, I still love you. You still love me. You know, let's get a little freaky. And then knock on the door, man. Screw that person at the door, whoever that is. It could have been Jesus. <laughs> but I know, I thought it was really well. I, man, so far, so good. I, I, I have nitpicks later, but man, the first 30 to 40 minutes of this movie, it really sucks me in to, to the rest of it. Well, and at the same time, they're doing all that, and at the same time, because you know you're at a horror movie, you know you're watching mm -hmm. a scary movie, it's building tension right. just incredibly. Yep. Like, just they're just in normal situations, and it's like tense as hell watching yes. this movie. And and one more thing, Nico, I'm going to back to you. You said the way they lit her face where, where you couldn't see it. That's great. That is classic 1978 Halloween. Perfect. Really well oh, done. Oh, yeah. So they the the couple go you know they shut the door you know the vibe's been killed now they're both one I think one of them sitting by the fireplace one sitting on the couch Kristen just says I'm out of cigarettes and James like well I'll go get you some he's ready to get the hell out of there you know he you know I, I can relate to that you know when you're a dude you know you get let down by a girl you just want to be by yourself for a minute clear your head so he leaves to go get her uh, some cigarettes but before he does that he starts her up a fire and Kristen's home alone. 
she puts another record on, and she, you know, she starts looking at this ring James got get uh, got her, and she's looking around the house, and as she's walking around this house, she hears another knock at the door, and you're like, oh shoot. She doesn't open the door, but she goes up to it, and she just hears, "Is Tamara here?" <laughs> and Kristen goes, "You've already came by this house." And the the lady at the door says, "Are you sure?" And and then that it shows Kristen locking the door, and right now this is where you get to you start getting to an oh shit scene that has stuck with me since two thousand eight, and I was in the theaters and saw this. As she walks away from the door, she notices this fire is going crazy all of a sudden, and she and the smoke detector goes off. She she gets she gets on this chair to like get it down, and if the smoke detector falls off the ceiling, and she hears another super super loud knock at the door, and it and the smoke detector, and, and the, I'm I'm stressing the smoke detector because it's right now it's on the ground, but it's about to be somewhere different. She grabs her phone out of her bag, and of course, it's not charged because back in 08, when you had flip phones, you written you wasn't glued to this thing all day like we are now. No. <laughs> she no. puts it on the charge, and this not and the knocking at the door is still going on, and it's going crazy. She calls James to tell him that uh, her phone's cut up and all that, and she smokes his cigarette. And this is I wrote, you know, with uh, like stars all around it. Upcoming is an iconic visual. Like, this, this scene has stuck with me forever. She's smoking in this house. She walks into the kitchen area, and all of a sudden, you know, the shot, like, pans out to where you can see her smoking, like, and you can see, like, the hallway back there. Then all of a sudden, you just see this guy. I call him Sackhead. Sackhead is in the background in the hallway, and you just see this guy standing in the house and watching her smoke the cigarette. She walks over to the, the faucet. She pours herself a glass of water. And the, the part I love about this is it just shows him standing there this whole time while she's doing all this stuff. And then, you know, there's another knock at the door and you don't see Sackhead no more. So she grabs a knife and she notices that the smoke detector that was on the floor has now been moved and is sitting on the chair. And, oh. that the ch and she notices the charger to her cell phone has been cut. And she hears, you know, a wind chime at this door or at the window. And she goes to look at it, and she's real hesitant to open this curtain up. So she sticks the knife through it, kind of opens it a little bit. Then all of a sudden, she rips these the curtains open, and Sackhead is outside of it. And, you know, as soon as she sees Sackhead's mask, and she, you know, she starts freaking out crazy, like anybody would. The record player starts going nuts. And then you, and she goes to open the door, and she sees Dollface on the outside. She slams the door shut and locks it. She goes to the room and hides. She hears the door open and the record player stops. And it's James. It was it was a really, really it wasn't a the tension was really, really tense right there. I really like this scene. Right. And you know, and then Kristen tells James about, you know, everything that's gone on. Mike, do you want to give your quick thoughts on those scenes? So, real quick, the tension they use and something as simple as the smoke alarm being moved from where she had it something so simple yet oh fuck someone's in this house and I, and I know they show you someone's in there and by the way <laughs> a sack head can be scary just throwing that out there hashtag team sack um but <laughs> but no i i love the god i love the build up in this scene man and i think live tyler as Kristen is great and again the knock on the the knocks on the door aren't kind of what scares me the most. Like I said, what really got me was smoke detector's been moved. She's real life. 
it's not it's not when we realize that someone's there because like you said that iconic shot is awesome i'm not the, the, the denying that but what's freaked me out was when she realizes someone is in this house now her charger is cut the smoke detector's been moved from where she had it and so and by the way you get a nice changing clothes scene i know i'm staying on brand okay but uh <laughs> but uh no nah, man i, I love that i love again the first 45 minutes of this movie the tension the mood atmosphere lighting i know i'm repeating myself but all these things are important and by the way Really old-timey music is scary as shit. No matter what it was meant to sound like, I'm sure it was meant to be like the party music of the era, but it is scary as shit when used properly. So really well done. Music, everything. Lighting, perfect. Yeah, I think, it's a, re- I think, I think it's a record player part that makes it just so just Agreed. creepy. But it's the, man, that, that, that iconic shot you're talking about, I mean, you can take that dude out and put Michael Myers there, and it's—I mean—that is as '78 Halloween as this movie gets. And it, I thought that's the first thing I thought about when I saw that scene. But um, I have a question. Maybe you guys will have an answer to because it was kind of a nitpick at first. But I was like, I don't know. I don't really know what. What? I, maybe I missed something. But okay, so when smoke was coming back into the house that caused the smoke detector to go off, I assumed, okay, they just clogged, clogged the chimney up and they're about right. to try to smoke her out, but. You know, it's only for like a second. It comes, it comes back in, and I thought, okay, we're about to have a big problem. But the smoke detector goes off, and then she's just in another room, comes back, everything's fine and dandy. So, did he just like mess with the fire and cause that? You think? I mean, like, what's the cause of that? That's actually a really good question. I, I, it is something that caught that crossed my mind. Concrete. I even yeah, listened. Um, I couldn't find yeah, anything a- concrete. And and the uh, and the doors. The only other thing. I mean, it, obviously, it adds to the tension. But the whole time, I was like, "God damn, these doors don't have any peepholes in them." And I guess because in my mind, when I picture that, I picture the purge, and you know how it keeps right. showing, like shows out the doorbell, out the eye hole. That's the kind of shot I kept expecting to see, but never, never got because there's no eye holes on these doors. Right, Brian, um, you actually brought up a good point about the fire because I've really never, you know, paid super, super close attention to that actual one little spot, but um. <laughs> I actually saw on IMDb. There's a they, this movie as good as it is. It does have quite a bit of goose in it that uh, right. I looked up. There's quite a bit of goose. And I'll get into those at the end of the review. The cigarette, for one thing. <laughs> yeah, and the bandage she puts on her hand right, later right, on. But. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. So um, after James gets home, you know she's freaking out. She's freaking out, telling him about the man in the mask and the the lady with the doll face on. They both walk out of the room, and you know James is just looking through the house, and he discovers the cell phone has been put in the fire. They look out the window, and they see Dollface staring into the house. Then she just disappears out of nowhere. James goes outside to see his car windows have been smashed and shattered. He's reaching, you know, he's sitting in his driver's seat. He's reaching into like the passenger floor and all that. Then all of a sudden, you see this hand just touch his neck, and then as soon as he turns around, you hear something, somebody running away. And he looks and sees Dollface just staring right at him. And, you know, Kristen walks outside. She's like, what's happening, James? What's happening? Come back inside. But James like, shut up. Go back inside. He didn't say shut up. He was like, go inside, Kristen. Go inside. <laughs> he walks around the yard, and, and then he just goes back inside. And then I just wrote down, I can't remember what exactly it was, but there was a non-necessary jump scare after that. Oh, yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, when he walks in, you think it's uh, somebody attacking Kristen, I think. He takes his. Uh, he finally takes his tie off, and he uses it to uh, cover Kristen's wound on her hand. I guess from the knife whenever she was running through the house. 
He says he hasn't seen a car pass or a dog bark. So it's pretty much them two versus uh, these strangers. He finds his phone and it doesn't have a battery. So he's like, oh, great. So these they, they run out the house and they run straight for the car to try and make a getaway. As they as they go to crank the car up, they, this truck comes out of nowhere and pulls into the driveway and turns their bright lights on so they can't see. It's uh, the character they call um, Pinup Girl. Uh, they see Dollface and um, the sackhead uh, sack standing in front, and she drives this truck straight into the back of their car. So they 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 obviously they can't drive away now. So they jump out, they run back inside, and he says, "We got to find the gun. They, we got to find a gun." He finds his uh, I think it's his grandpa's shotgun or his dad. I can't remember what he was. He he finds a shotgun, and she. And Kristen's like, didn't y'all used to hunt? He's like, I don't even know how to use this thing. I was just lying about going hunting. She's like, oh, great. <laughs> then, you know, I thought this was really cool. They look, they open up the window and they see the words, hello, written on it. I guess it's in paint or lipstick or something like that. And you just hear them, like, throwing this stuff at the wall. And it's really loud. They finally find some shells for the shotgun. And I read he does not use the gun. They go to run, but they go to run out the door, but... Uh, Sackhead is axing the door open, so they grab this. I think it's is it the piano? I think I it's the piano, love, and they use it I to block off that the, door. the door. And then uh, James takes the gun and he shoots the he shoots the gun at the door, and you and it just cuts away from it. Uh, Brian, you got any quick thoughts on those scenes? Well, I mean, this is one of those things that I have to suspend belief about a little yeah. bit because because <laughs> he would he would have hit that dude with that shotgun like blasted the door he would have taken him out or at least at least hit him like because there's no there was no missing he was no getting away from that shot through the door so you know I, I, that was one where I had to like yeah a little uh, suspend disbelief a little bit. I was super frustrated in the closet whenever he was like, oh, I don't know how to use this gun. I was thinking, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, it's going to be a total waste to, to have this gun. But right. my man stepped <laughs> up and figured, figured it out. So that's good. Like, that's – I've said this before uh, with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and that's – I would – I mean, you can say it's a problem, but it's just something that I do. I put myself in – in the positions of, you know, the people that are like the, the guys that are in the movie. And, you know, most of the time, if the movie follows what I would do in that situation, like Tensile Massacre did the remake, then like it, it makes it a little bit more scary to me. And I mean, I got to say there were some decisions that my man made here that <laughs> I definitely I would not have made. So um, I guess I mean, and that's just that's just me on a personal level. So but uh, but, as you know, as far as. The tension, man, it's 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 a level ten right now. Go ahead, Mike. I was gonna say there's a lot of it of those scenes you talked about where you're kind of a lump in your throat. Because again, you have to suspend your disbelief, but I kind of feel like that's most movies. I mean, for the most part. So I'm willing to suspend my disbelief. Um it's kind this is a really I watched this twice. I watched the theatrical cut, I watched an unrated cut, and it was kind of interesting to see Old horror versus new horror. So a lot of the horror movies we've covered here have been kind of old, 70s, 80s. We're covering a mid to or late 2000s movie. Everything's been done. So you kind of have to do so you kind of have to find a way to do something different. Even my favorite movie of all my favorite movie of all time which is 78 Halloween shows the Myers mask too much in the daylight. Or it, it, honestly it, it it just shows it too damn much. In this movie, they show the masks 
masks, you know, whatever you want to say, early a lot, but they're lit really well. And they're it's done perfect. And so the suspense is still there with the mask. Like you haven't got a really good look at what these of even what these masks look like until he's hacking at the door with the axe, which is a scene that I love because the the inside the house when he's hacking at the door, there's a it, it, it's like boom, boom, boom. Like I put myself in that scene. I know my heart would be racing at that point. And so again, like you said, some of the decisions James decides to make kind of. Eh, Eh, but at least he figured out the gun. The gun, like, like once, yeah. and you're right, he would have hit him, but he didn't. I'm willing to suspend that disbelief for the sake of yeah. of the tension and the suspense. So again, so far, not a scene I have a gripe with. It's coming though. <laughs> well, let me uh, let me just clarify that when I if I am to the point where I am sticking myself in the movie, then right. it's already above ninety five percent of the horror movies that Absolutely. we watch. So yeah. that means hey, I'm really involved in this movie, and it's starting to it's starting to bother me a little bit. I'm gonna say scare me, but it's starting right. to it's starting oh. to really bother me, and so that's why. And if I get to that point where I am inserting myself into that situation, right. then. Then the movie's got me, and it's got me, had me for a while. All right, real quick, Nico. We're, we're this far into the film, and we don't have a kill yet. And I think that's kind of cool. It, it makes it clearly not a slasher, because if there were a slasher by now, we'd at least have two to three people dead. So, like you said, it, it's kind of interesting to no, note how many different sects of horror there really are. Like, this is a home invasion film, which can be done really well and really scary, and so far, so good. Not a slasher in a traditional sense, but, you know, masks are kind of synonymous with being a slasher movie. And so it kind of plays on that trope. But I think it's I think it's a home invasion movie that's done really well so far. And, and what's so unique about, you know, this movie and Scream is it feels real. Yeah, like, it does, um, yeah. Like Michael Myers, Freddy, Jason. I mean, those are entertaining films, but I mean. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if you shoot one of them, they're going to... If you shoot a regular right. person, they're going to die. I mean, they're not super... There's no superhuman people. That's what makes this movie and Scream so unique to people and so captivating, in my opinion, just because right. it feels so damn real. Um, after after James shoots at the door, at Sackhead, exit the door, they both go into this room, and they camp out Call of Duty style with a shotgun. And as they're sitting in there, they're here, they hear somebody walk in, and they put another record on. And shout out to my man, Merle Haggard. Mama my Tron. man. I love that song. Ah, <laughs> oh, great and song. I'm glad. And, and like, like both, like both of the two other guys have said, this the, the music on these records just adds to the tension of this movie. Uh-huh. It, it just, it just adds so much to the atmosphere. And my man James, his friend Mike pulls up to the yard. You know, he's trying to call James. Then all of a sudden, as he's sitting in his jeep, he just has something thrown right through his windshield, and he's like, "What the fuck?" You know, <laughs> and um. So he, he gets out and he sees his battery. He sees their battered car. He, like all the windows have shattered. Uh, it's been rammed by another vehicle. So he walks into the house real kind of slow. And as he's walking, this is just, this is another one of those, you know, pictures, visuals that just sticks with you. Cause like if you Google, you know, the strangers on, on Google and you search images, it shows this picture. As he's slowly walking down the hallway, it shows Sackhead appear from behind him with an ax in his hand. And he's just getting ready to chop him at any moment. But uh, Sackhead knows that James and Kristen are camping out in this room and they have a gun. So he's just, he's kind of like a lion just stalking a real, real slow. 
and Jay, and Jay, uh, Mike is walking down the hallway, and as he's walking down real slow, he walks by the room where James and Kristen are camping, and James has this the shotgun pointed right at the entrance of the door. And as soon as he sees Mike, his appearance, he just shoots him, and you just see the body drop. And then Mike is freaking out, and Kristen, you know, she's just seeing somebody get killed, and Mike's like, he didn't have a mask on. He didn't have a mask on. Why didn't he have a mask on? So Mike eventually gets up, or not Mike, excuse me, James gets up and he walks over and he sees that it's Mike and he starts, you know, he just he just killed his best friend. So, you know, he's really, you know, devastated. He's traumatized. Kristen realizes what it was and they both start crying. And it's, man, I just couldn't imagine, like, the tension that they're going through. He gets up and he sees the killers wrote on this window. He wrote the word killer on it. So I really love the fact that they play not only, you know, terror of being stalked, but they play like this psychological terror on the two with the, all the things they've done. And and after this, James, you know, he's just kind of pissed off at the world now. He's like, he's ready to go. He's ready like a gladiator to me. Like he's just ready to go out there and just fight now. He tells Kristen he's going out there to fight. He walks out with a gun and he sees a pinup girl. at I think it's like the shed or this barn, whatever you want to call it. And then as – as he, he's, like, crawling on the ground, like, war style. And as he goes to turn around, Sackhead comes out of nowhere and just knocks him out. Uh, Brian, do you want to give your thoughts on that scene? Okay, yeah. Let me just I'll, – I'll, I'll say this, and then I will shift gears. The dude <laughs> – any person in their right mind would have walked in that house yelling to let them know that they were there. Like, in a situation like that, you're going to walk in that house and be like, yell for – or is it James? Yell for James. Yell for, you know, you would have yelled it. Like, that would have happened. But let's just suspend belief. Let's get rid of that. And holy crap. Like, okay, they acted this scene just exactly like probably it would really play out in real life if you had just shot your best friend. You know, I was ready for him to walk out there and start hosing people with that gun and knowing that they don't have a gun i don't really know why he didn't do that but you know for the for the sake of the movie i i get that so the, the scene's great don't let me take away from that scene that's not what i'm trying to do i'm just trying to i don't want to play i'm not saying i'm playing devil's advocate but i'm just trying to maybe insert a little bit of eh, a little bit of realism and say hey you've got to suspend disbelief a little bit to me in this scene hey mike hold on one second before you go i agree okay. with you brian it's like you just saw somebody throw something, or you just had somebody throw something through your windshield. You saw right. their car has been had their the glasses the glass shattered and ran. Why would you walk in and not say, "Hey James, uh, is anyone home? Is right. everything okay?" It's like why would you walk in dead quiet? I mean, yeah, I mean, because I mean, I, everything that just happened to you, you should automatically think that something might have happened inside too. But uh, go ahead, Mike. What are your thoughts on this scene? Hey, man. Shout out to your boy, Dead Meat James. He actually made a really funny joke with talking about Mike in this scene. <laughs> he said he must have been a real big Merle Haggard fan. He couldn't help himself walking inside to enjoy the free concert. <laughs> 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 I thought that was good. Uh, but no, man. I, I Okay, so a lot of people use this as a negative, but I think this, not the suspension of disbelief. We all kind of agree on, uh, agree on that. I hate to just keep hammering it home. So... I think it's really well done how they these killers take their time. So, it, again, not a slasher. They are fucking with these people. And I think that is even scarier. They Look, 
nine times these people know these people are not leaving they're not getting out of this house like we're gonna kill these people but it's almost more of a mind fuck to love let them think they have hope like i think that's really twisted and makes the these three people even scarier like i i think that i know a lot of people thought man you're taking forever you're taking forever get to the kills well this movie's not a slasher it's just it's has it's supposed to build up tension, build suspense to a big, you know, conclusion. Whether you like that conclusion or not is one thing. But, <laughs> but uh, I think it's really well done as we're on our journey. Like I, I can't say it. Like I think that's my favorite part of the middle. I guess the quote unquote second act of this film is, is the way the killers kind of wait, take their time, fuck with these people. So, I enjoyed it. Kristen goes outside, and I wrote down this in uh, big, bold letters. She goes outside of this house, and she sits down. I wrote, WTF, like, what are you doing? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and it shows Sackhead. It shows Sackhead's <laughs> in the house again. And, like, he's walking, like, to, he's getting ready to walk out of, like, these curtains wherever she's sitting. But then all of a sudden, she just gets up and starts Usain Bolton, like, towards that barn or shed or whatever I was talking about earlier. She takes off running as fast as she can. And of course, and like every other horror movie, as she takes off running, she falls and hurts herself. <laughs> Go figure. And she, <laughs> yes, you know, she hears, yes. She Scream was some, right, Sam. Yeah, she hears some like breaking noises, and she starts crawling. And it shows, man, it's such a like. There's a, obviously there's a lot of stuff you can like just you know nitpick in this movie, but it shows like pinup girl walking right behind her, and like these shots are so good to me. And it, you know, pinup pinup girl's right behind her, and then she just disappears. And uh, Kristen. She crawls into that barn. She grabs a flashlight. You know, she's hobbling around. She notices where the axe should be. She sees where they took the axe. And she starts walking around this barn. And she eventually, she finds this radio. And she starts trying to call out for help. And, you know, on her second and third attempt, she finally gets through to somebody. But as soon as she does, pinup girl takes that axe and she hits it and breaks it. And, and like Mike just said, you know, these three are just fucking with them so much. And it's so great because, you know, she, Pinup Girl could have easily or Pinup, Pinup Girl could have easily just killed Kristen right oh, then. Yes. But Kristen, she gets back out outside. She starts crawling on her hands and knees again back to the house. And, she, you know, she kind of hides behind his bush. She sees Sackhead just walking through the yard. And, you know, she sees Pinup Girl walking out of the, that shed. And she sees Dollface on the swing. And she notices that their car just got lit on fire. And I just wrote the word after after the about the card. I just wrote the word hopeless. That's just how I would have kind of felt. It was just yeah. hopeless at that yeah. point. Yeah, Brian, hey Nico. What, what, oh, ahead. this where exactly you are right now. I don't know if you were gonna go any any further, but where you are right now, is she just I mean, the way I interpreted the shot is that she's just sitting right in the middle of the yard, completely visible to yeah. anybody. So I was just because I saw that shot and I was like, what the hell is she doing? And then her decision is to go back into the house, which to me is like, I think at this point I would be running away from the house, you know, but you know, I, I don't know. But that's I didn't understand why it was she was sitting in dead middle of the yard, like with no cover, no anything. OK, go ahead, Mike. I'll provide a small counterpoint just to play devil's advocate for fun. Maybe. In the mindset, she's thinking, if I can get the... And look, I'm not saying this is the right thing, but maybe she's thinking the best way to survive this is to take these people out. And I can't do that by running away because we talked about she's not getting out of that house. There's no way. They've cornered it. 
she, she can run as far as she wants. They're killing her or going to attempt to anyways. And so maybe she's thinking, I have a knife. I have a chance. Kind of the, the only thing I can think to maybe defend her actions. But, I mean, you're right. Well, I, don't think she, I don't think she has a knife at this point. I think that well, knife's I, gone I mean, in right general, now. So, I mean, she's... Uh, well, if you go back in the house, there's something. Gun, yeah. knife, something. The, you know, poker stick at the fireplace, something I can maybe help myself with because she doesn't see herself getting out of this mess without taking the three of them out. And while that's probably eh, not, not great logic, but in that moment, I, again, I try to place myself in her shoes. I probably would have a fuzzy brain as well. So I try oh, not yeah. to be I try not to be too hard on it, but you're right. When you're watching at home, it's like this dumbass. Well, see. yeah, yeah. I'm sure her mindset was <laughs> completely crazy. But I was just thinking, you know, because in my head I kept thinking, you know, not to be comparison right. because it's not a comparison at all, really. But you know, you th- you watch like Heather Langenkamp or you watch, you know, uh uh Hi, Heather Lloyd. Yeah. Uh, and you, you you watch them and you they they get into those modes like we've talked about before where it's like all right I'm done I'm ready to fight like I'm done being being victim and I'm ready I to think fight. She gets there. And yeah, she, and I, see, I, think, I didn't really yeah. I didn't really see that with her. I thought like right. maybe she did, but she's so beat up. She's got she can't even walk. I don't you know hardly. And so I mean I don't know. You touched on something I really wanted to touch on. This movie is almost even more disturbing. And more heartbreaking because we know what transpired earlier in the night. So not only do we have these two people that are kind of heartbroken from what took place. Now they have to go through this shit too. Like man, it, it, it continued to pull me in. Like I, I'll give big credit to them laying that groundwork. Because without it, I don't think I care about these people. But hey, remember, I, remember what you just said because I'm gonna replay. I'm gonna replay that at the end of this movie. Okay, I'm fine with that because I think I know what you're gonna say. But that's okay. Um, not sorry, they're coming up on Mike's death as I watch the film right here. But uh, real quick, I I <laughs> I uh, I think it helps so much with my emotional investment, man. Just seeing those two characters go through all of this shit is right. is is really makes or really helps the movie out. I haven't been as negative as I want to be. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, I'm, Mike, I'm actually at the scene where Mike just got shot too. Uh, hey, Mike, I just, he just got <laughs> shot. <laughs> and like, like both of you were just talking about, it kind of reminds me of Thirty Days of Night too, because you know, at the beginning of that movie, you know, kind of paints the portrait of um, you know Eben and uh, Stella right. having some problems too. So. But I don't think that movie really – that movie didn't really set up the relationship as good as this one. I was going to say, but, this one set it up way better. Yeah, yeah this, this, this did a much better job. This movie definitely, you know – because, Mike, you're right. Uh, as, you know, they're fighting or, you know, they're fighting these strangers, you know, you still remember, like, you know, just 30, 40 minutes early, you know, he was heartbroken, you right. know, and she was they're both devastated. heartbroken. She's devastated. And I want to touch on a point Brian brought up too, you know, um, you know, she's gotten to that or, you know, getting to the point of, you know, just ready to just go fight him. I think James did get to that point. He's like, screw this. Oh, he I'm not sitting did. in here. I'm just going to go fight him. And I think if he would have just kept a level head, you know, even though he did just kill us, one of his best friends, he should have, him and Kristen should have just stayed in that room with the gun. <laughs> in my opinion, because I mean, there's yeah. no other way they could have right. got snuck up on. Right. Just keep that gun pointed right. I mean, the only thing they could have done is what light the house on fire. <laughs> That's the only thing this that they could have Halloween... really done. And Nico, this isn't a Halloween movie, so no one's setting the house on fire. Yeah, I think there was a mistake. <laughs> I mean, besides besides him killing his friend, 
I mean, I, I think it was a mistake for them to for the writers to give them a gun because to me, like, yeah, could, that's true. I mean, he could have the movie would have easily, I think, been over, you know, with maybe 75 percent of the guys in that in that situation. They would have easily walked out there and hosed them all. None of them's got guns. None of them have any, you know, done to, you know, reason to right. be able, or even a method to be able to fight back for that. So, I mean, I think maybe the writers made a little bit of mistake in in my eyes with that, but it adds a lot of emotional instability when they did right. have him killing his best friend. So I, get I think I think that's why it's there. I yeah. honestly think that's why the gun is there to make that. To, literally, Mike's death is why the gun is there in my opinion. And I think that because he killed them, not he killed them, not the strangers. It's even more emotional now. Like shit. I really effed up, man. Like, Oh my God. And you see, after he realizes I've killed my friend, he goes to a different place. That's what I talked about. He's like, F it. I want these people dead. Forget it. And so I, you know, it's very emotional, man. He didn't mean to kill them. And, and I think, I honestly think that's the only reason the gun is there. Maybe it's a mistake, but I mean, in the long run, I think it kind of pays off with the emotion that he shows after he realizes he killed Mike. Oh, yeah, because absolutely. Your life is over after that happens. Even if you survive this night, you just killed your best friend. Right. You know, that's hey, that's accidental manslaughter charges right there anyway. So, I mean, you're not to mention you just killed your best friend and shot him in the head. So, I mean, your life's over at that point. I mean, you don't have anything. Yeah, I, I, I get it for sure. I think the uh, before we jump on, I think it, it adds to the part where he said that he didn't go hunting either. I think that kind of it helps paint the picture that he doesn't have, you know, the natural the right. know, instinct to. Because when you hunt, you just sit there and wait for your your prey to show up. You don't oh, like when you deer hunt, you don't really go chase them in the woods through it or whatever. That's great just point. that's yeah, just really something that came to my mind. Hey Nico, small nitpick. Go ahead. The, the way that the words are written on the glass in this movie is less like blood and more like lipstick. I think it is <laughs> lipstick. That's what I thought it was. I'm like, that's really nice handwriting. Whoever's doing this, <laughs> really, really good penmanship. I, I, I really like, I thought it was lipstick. I, didn't never, I never thought it was blood. Oh, uh, see, the, this whole time I'm thinking, is that, if that's supposed to be blood, then you're, you're doing a bad job. <laughs> So um, after Kristen, you know, she, you know, she's laying in this yard, you know, looking around the house. Like Brian said, it looks like she's right in the middle of the yard. She eventually, you know, gets back on her feet. You know, she kind of hobbles into the house and she's walking around. She's walks into this room and all the lights go out and she's just wandering the house. And she's all of a sudden she starts hearing the piano playing and she turns around and she sees Sackhead walking down the hall. And she gets, she goes and she hides in his closet. And I wrote, of course, she hides in the closet. And she's, you know, Sackhead, all of a sudden he reappears again. She looks out the closet. You know, they, they kind of have that thing where, you know, where, you know, the victim and, the, you know, the, the slasher or whatever, you know, they kind of make eye contact, but they don't make eye contact. She looks out of the closet and all of a sudden, you know, Dollface appears right in on the other side of the door with a jump scare. And Kristen, you know, she, for some reason, she walks out. Um, and she sees Dollface at the table where the, the ice cream and all that was, and she sees Dollface, you know, with a knife, and she's just rubbing the knife on the table, playing with it, and just, you know, they're just, you know, they're just teasing these uh, these two victims so much. And then, you know, Chris eventually she just says, "Why are you doing this to us?" And then all of a sudden, you just hear this body thrown in the into the room. It shows Sackhead throwing James inside. 
Dollface tells her some. I'm sorry. Oh, Dollface tells her that you're going to die. Kristen, you know, she runs and hides in the bedroom and she can't get out of the window. So all of a sudden, you know, she tries to walk out of the room again. But as soon as she takes a step out, Sackhead grabs her and throws her right into the wall and knocks her out. And he starts dragging her through the house. And we're almost to the ending of the movie. Uh, Brian, you got any thoughts on that scene? No. um, Anyway, I was just the whole I was thinking, man, where is James this whole time? Because Sackhead, to me, is the only one that's got the strength to be able to hold him down or, you know, restrain James and he's inside hunting her. And so I was like, do the, do the two girls have him? Like, is he, you know, where is he at? You know, that was until he was thrown through the window, which, you know, I was like, oh, okay, well, there he is. But still, I guess I, I don't know if I would have liked to have known where he was a little bit. It would have helped me, I guess, been like, oh, okay, well, that's where James is at. Like if it would have been a short scene or something you know, after he gets caught in the woods, just kind of showing him either being tied up or just, you know, something, I guess, you know, to to help me out with that a little bit. But, you know, as far as the tension, again, I can't say enough about Liv Tyler's acting in this movie because she is, it's almost like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost like, um, you know, all those movies where it's just like ba- basically one person with, what was that zombie movie with Will Smith in it? Um, uh, Mines. Anyway, um, where uh, he's basically. I Am Legend. Yeah, where it's just him acting basically the whole time. You know, I know Tom that Hanks and Castaway, right? Will Smith and I Am Legend. It's right. basically just Liv Tyler yes, giving you this, giving you this emotion because you have emotionless characters that are in the scene with you know with her. It's just her giving right. you what you're supposed to feel, and it's amazing. And and Brian, I'm watching a scene right now where she's kind of. I mean, she's basically doing this. Oh, sorry about the mic knock. She's doing this on her own at this point. And she's crawling, and just in the background, ever so slightly, you see Dollface. Or it might be Pinup Girl, because they kind of blur it out a little bit, so you can't tell which one it is. And this, like, Liv is killing it. Like, she is terrified for her life, but also has no idea someone's following her. And that is even more, we know, she doesn't know. And when that happens in a good movie, man, it is awesome. And they do a really good job of kind of using the back. Like, that's one thing I'll give a big thumbs up to this movie. They do a really good job of using the background as a as a character. Like, yeah. a lot of the early scenes, you get, like, a static silence. And here comes one of the strangers onto the, like, into the background ever so slightly. They do a really good job shooting that. Cinematography is good there. Like, really well shot. Really well done. So, I agree with you, man. All right, so this, is the, this is the finale right here, guys. Um, the scene cuts, and it's the morning time. It shows James and Kristen. They're tied to these chairs. You know, they're, like, roped and tied up. And they're face-to-face with the strangers, and they're just looking at, you know, the, the strangers just in the living room looking right at them tied up to these chairs. And she says, why are you doing this to us? And, you know, this is just that, that terrifying line to me because it feels so damn real because, I mean, in 20, 2008 was, you know, a rough time, but man, now in 2019, man, people are nuts now. Right. You know, they, Kristen says, why are you doing this to us? And she just replies, because you were home. Like, that. that's all they tell I her. I love so. that line. Yeah, Classic. Sure. You know, Kristen's crying, you know, um, James is, he's freaking out, you know, he's panicking. And then they, all three of the strangers, they all start to take their mask off. And Sackhead is the first one to grab the knife, and he stabs James first. Then Pennant Girl stabs him. Then Dollface stabs Kristen. 
and you know they both you know they're you know they're kind of embracing each other you know they're kissing like face to face and after after uh Dolph face that's Kristen we sh- as we see the two Mormon boys on their bikes and the strangers are in their uh in their truck driving down the road and they stop and she sees the Mormon boys they have these little pamphlets and she asks if she can have one and the Mormon boy says well are you a sinner and she says well sometimes I am well pinup girl tells Dollface next time this will be easier and the Mormon boys you know they start riding their bike down the road and they eventually walk into this house and they see the carnage you know they see the bodies they see the blood they see the gun and they walk up to Kristen and you get that loud blood curdling scream that she does as soon as the boy goes to reach for her. Right. And I believe if y'all watch the unrated version, it shows um, Mike's phone ringing. Yeah. And, you know, Chris is crawling to try and answer it. But I believe it's Sackett who takes the phone with him. Yeah. I think I, I, I don't know if y'all wrote down the difference between the unrated and the theatrical version, but I think that's the only difference. But um, at as the far as that scene, movie, yes. Yeah. yeah the, at the very end of the movie, the Mormon boy, you know, he goes to reach for Kristen. And Kristen, like, sticks her hand out at him, and she starts screaming, you know, blood-curdling screams all I wrote. Uh, uh, Mike, do you want to give your thoughts on the ending? Okay, so <laughs> I think me and Brian might finally have a disagreement, but that's okay. <laughs> the podcast will survive, everyone. Um, I actually love this ending. I think, okay, so one thing I mentioned earlier is the way they shoot the mask. And... <laughs> How I think Halloween maybe kind of overexposes the Michael Myers mask in the first movie. The way they shoot the mask in this movie is really well done. It's not, it's, it's, there's a lot of the mask, but they're shot really well with the lighting. But you do see a lot of it. I think had they maybe have like kind of maybe lowered the mask count, like as far as how much you saw them, maybe, maybe made it a little bit darker so you couldn't see them quite as well. That daylight reveal where it's morning time. By the way, when it's morning time, that's kind of even scarier to me because we see a lot of horror movies, all of them take place at night. Outside of like Halloween 78, a couple other movies, like most of them take place at night. They do a really good job in this final act of the daylight's kind of its own deal. Like I think it's really well done. And so, again, I think had they kind of maybe waited on that mask reveal, you could have maybe gotten more out of the daylight. Wow, look at these freaking, these are creepy ass masks. But we've already seen them a bunch, so that kind of kills the mood. But outside of that, I love it. I think when I put myself in in the two characters' shoes, you're in a hopeless situation. You can't win. You are going down with the ship kind of like the captain of the Titanic. Like, you have no choice. You're tied to these chairs. You want to know why in the fuck are you messing with us? If if we're going to die, I at least want to know why we're dying. And like a really good horror movie that like, I love no motive. I I think that's much scarier than a, than like some long drawn out backward ass motive that a lot of horror movies try to give. There is no motive. It's great because you were home. Holy shit, that's awesome. Like I think that's great. Really well done. Delivered perfectly. It's really the only time you get to hear them speak. Unlike uh, Praise at Night, which I anyway. Um, <laughs> I thought really well done. Really well shot. I think the kill of James is fine. A lot of people had a complaint with that, but that's a really realistic kill. Like, what a, like, terrorizing way to go. Just, and listen, I know I've been a big... That sucks. Bit, a big negative on stabs to the gut, stabs to the face, stabs to the neck. But in this movie, 
it works. It's very, very real. Like, yeah. uh, like you, you feel the pain with James. You've yes. gone on this journey with him, and you feel it. Like, damn it, I don't want James to die. James is good. I want him to live, and he dies anyways. And right. so, you know, and even the kid, or well, the non-kill of Kristen, which, well, that's another story for another day. I guess we can get into it after we're done with this scene. But I think strangers. I love that they take their mask off, but we don't see it. I love that. I think that's great. I don't want to know. I, I think if, if they showed us that, I'd be pissed. So that's kind of why I am with the scene. I thought the final act is really well done. Go ahead, Brian. So, yeah, I'm actually the, kind of the opposite of Mike with the daytime thing. Like, as soon as it turns daytime outside, to me, I almost breathe a sense of relief, almost just like, oh, okay, for some reason, daylight to me brings, okay, hope. So it's a little bit different. Um, but I'll, look, how do I say this without? Okay, so I love, love, love. I'm the same with Mike on that, too. I love the characters having no motive. It would have taken away from this movie had they given them a motive. Had they given us a backstory or anything, I think it would, totally would have given, you know, yep. taken away from it. And, you know, honestly, congrats. And, and, you know, I will clap to this movie for having the balls to you know, in the way that it did. I just don't particularly after, after you spend this entire me Mark personally, you right. spend the entire movie with these people watching them just suffer and suffer and suffer. I needed to see them survive this. I don't know why, I know. but I, I needed to, even if they were just stabbed and found by those two Mormon boys and the fact that they were still alive you know, you know, you still know that they have this psychological torture that they just went through. They'll never be the same. Their lives are never going to be the same. To me, it doesn't take away anything to leave them alive. And, you know, like I said, I applaud the movie for doing that. I just personally would have liked to have seen them survive and have something come out of this night because it was nothing but just beat down, beat down, beat down the entire movie. And nothing ever happens that's not a beat down. And to right. me, I, need, I needed that at the end. And, and, and by the way, I don't necessarily disagree with you, Brian. I think that, man, sometimes, and we've talked about it in other movie series where I, at some point you've got to make a, you got to make a decision. Do I want to kill a main character? Like I've preached about with the Halloween series for years. Can we kill Laurie Schrode? Like, can we just do that? In this movie, <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, really, really well done, not resurrection style, which sucks ass. So, um, real quick, no, but in this movie, somebody had to die, and it can't be our heroine. It, it just can't. It, it can't be Liv Tyler, although that would have been in some emotion. I would have been more let down by that. I feel James dying is kind of like, okay, this sucks. I want to see them survive and live happily ever after. But that's not the story being told story being told is they have a very complicated relationship now like there is a, no way they're living happily ever after, after right. that. even if they're right. alive so no at way. the end of the day it's, it it almost warrants james's death in my opinion like he kind of not took one for the team because it's not like i jumped in front of a knife for you but he almost kind of had to die so live could live <laughs> well and Sorry. see i don't even take that as being I don't know why, because she didn't die in the movie. But to me, like, right, right. it's almost like I'm just I'm almost like there's no way she survives this. She's dead. Like, it's just to me, I don't know. Just chalk that up as she died. You know, I just that's in my head, even though you don't see whether she does or doesn't survive, you know, right. survive any further. I just I just I'm just like, 
I, I chalked them up as being dead, and I just, I guess I would have. I needed to see a little bit more. That's, that's all. I want to, I want to counterpoint uh, Brian on the morning part, and I'm not doing it just a debating or nothing. But to me, it kind of gives you like, it, it gives you like the false hope, like real quick. Like it shows the morning, so you're thinking, oh man, they might have survived. Oh, they're tied up to a chair. No, yeah, you're right, 100. <laughs> that's. No, I just Mike. Mike said it's almost a little scarier to him, but to me, it gives me that hope. I guess that you're like you're talking right, about. I get right. that. I get that false sense of hope and that's because understandable. it's daytime. Right. And one more thing I wanted to ask you guys about because uh, this movie was in '08 and um, the Halloween remake was in '07. It kind of reminded me of when young Michael killed his stepdad. You know, whenever you know he's tight, you know he's duct taping him to the chair, and you know he's got his clown mask on and he cuts his throat and he's looking right into his eyes. For some reason, I kind of got, you know, the same vibe, the same, I got that same eerie feeling watching, you know, the strangers kill them the same way. I mean, not with a throat slit, but, you know, just the way it happened. What, did, what do you think about that, Mike? So I, I think a lot of movies around that time kind of not took from each other in a bad way, but they all, all movies from like 03 to 09 have a very similar... Like, anything in the slasher slash, you know, anything off of that has a very similar vibe. So I could very, like, I see what you're saying. It kind of crossed my mind when I watched it again, the the unrated cut of it. I'm like, ah, that kind of reminds me of uh, Little Michael. And and you kind of want, the only difference is you wanted to see John Forsythe die. In this movie, you didn't want to see James die. I guess that's the only difference. But, again, like you said, a lot of the movies around that time were kind of playing off of each other. And I think... Uh, that shows in this movie. Y'all boys want to jump into fun facts? Let's do it. I ha- I have eight. Oh wow! How many? How many do you got, Brian? I only have three. Um, I don't. Yeah, I only have two or three. Nothing really. Actually, just two that I'm just gonna say. So I'll just do two. Go. You go first. I'll go. Then Mike can do eight. <laughs> okay. Um, one of them is that I this entire couple. This entire movie, logical order. That's one of mine. So. To the end, which is, you know, awesome. definitely, yeah, and it's definitely different. That that would probably, if I was an actress or an actor, would add to, okay, like, you know, you're going chronological order, so you know how you're supposed to be acting because you just went through all of this, you know, oh, scene after scene after scene after scene. Um, and to, let's see, to, to mimic Liv's character's panic attack, Liv had to exert some physical exercises to like to get her out of breath. I mean, they took to make her her reactions so much more realistic. Um, you know, and and director Brian Bertino would would tell Liv where the loud bangs are coming from, only for the bang to come from another direction to get a more realistic, more realistic shot out of her. So that's uh that's the only two that I'm that I've got. There's a couple more on here, but I don't want to take everybody's. Well, you took some time, which is good. That's good. <laughs> I only have three wrote down, and one uh, Mike actually brought up earlier. Uh, according to director Brian Bertino, the film is partially based on an incident he experienced as a child. One evening, a stranger came to his door, asked for someone who was not there, and they left. And he later he found later Bertino found out that other homes in his neighborhood had been broken into that night. The second fun fact I have is the film was shot entirely with handheld cameras or steady cams. Every every shot has some camera movement. And the third fun thing that I have is Kurt Russell mentioned on James Corden's show mm-hmm. uh, that this movie always scares him. So that's I got, all I wrote down. And I got mine from thestrangers.net. 
Yeah, I got mine off IMDb. Uh, go ahead, um, Mike, with your fun facts. All right, so real quick, you mentioned a couple of mine, but that's good. I'm glad because I don't have to read off all of mine. But it's kind of fun. <laughs> um, okay, so. Hey, Mike. Hey, hold up real quick. Um, before you go, I'm just going to uh, say, you know, like I said earlier, this movie has a lot of goose in it um, <laughs> that I thought were kind of funny. Um, there's some, like, inconsistencies in the scenes. Yes. Like when Kristen, you know, when she's sitting outside and she goes to take off running, in the scene before she takes off running, she still has the tie tied on her hand to cover a wound. But after she falls, it shows her hand, and she doesn't have a tie on her hand no more. <laughs> I know, I know. And they, I read good. also that you know they they change the amount of the number of candles. Uh, at first, there's like one or there's two of them, but then the next scene they're closer together. Then the right. next scene there's four of them. And I read also that like at the beginning of the movie it was vanilla ice cream, and then later it's strawberry or something like that. Yeah. So there was there were some goofs that they had that I just thought were kind of interesting. Go ahead with your fun facts, Mike. So a couple things. You mentioned the camera work. I thought most of it was really good, but there's a scene at the dinner table where they're talking and kind of like really having a real moment with each other, like still love you, still love me, but the camera is moving like the Blair Witch. And I'm like, fuck this shit. Like it, it really <laughs> kind of like, uh, it was very annoying, but that's fine. Um, okay, so you guys mentioned the chronological order. I mentioned the robberies, all that stuff. Liv Tyler, you mentioned the exercise specifically jumping jacks and she ran around in circles like a dog to like really like get it worn out so that's kind of cool originally this movie was called the faces which i think is worse so i'm glad they didn't call it that right uh the entire house is a sound stage not a real house the entire set the shot out to shot from outside the house that you see in the morning it's just a picture of a or a shot of a house that they found Inside the house is just all set. Uh, Liv Tyler had tonsillitis the entire making of this movie. Oh, wow. So all the screams and all the you know real emotions she showed was fought through um, tonsillitis. In the third act that, that we talk about that's on my uh, movie that I'm watching right now, there's a scene that they didn't even that they didn't put in either cut where there's extended dialogue from our strangers that we don't hear. It was a director's choice to kind of cut that. He thought it made the strangers more scary, and I agree. I feel like the less motive, the better. Right. While you're doing this, you're home, and I think that makes it a lot bit, uh, a lot better. So, uh, you guys mentioned, and real quick, just because I like to do this in every movie, I don't know why I'm kind of a guy. I, it's just kind of my thing. This movie grossed eighty-two million dollars on a nine million dollar budget. That's really good. Wow. Um, yes, it is. Mixed reviews, obviously, like any horror movie. If you go see it and you're a horror fan, you probably you you probably like this movie. It depends on what you like. There's a bunch of people. A lot of reviews say this is a boring movie where nothing happened, and I think that's bullshit. I yeah. think if you like suspense and tension and build up, I think this is the movie for you. If you like constant kills and torture porn, then Saw is kind of more up your bag. Or you can be a, a balanced horror fan like Nico and enjoy both for what they are. Um, <laughs> So I, uh, it took a decade to get the sequel done. It, it was it literally pitched, wrote, and processed almost immediately after. But it took a decade to get cast, director, location, someone to sign off on it. It took about a decade to get all of that done. And wow. the sequel, which I don't think is as, as good of a movie, we'll talk about it some other time, though. But it took, a, it took a decade to get the sequel. So I thought that was really interesting as well. 
Well, oh, unless, real it's quick. Some big, unless it's some big cult classic, right. you know, 10 years is too long. It's too long to capitalize on right. I was a film say, like this, I think. They kind of messed up by, by having it take so long. I feel like had you put it out three years later, you could have really capitalized on. A lot of people like this movie because people can relate to someone coming into their house and invading their damn privacy. I feel like that's really that's a really big scary thing that people fear. And so I think you could have capitalized off that real quick. I talked about it with Halloween. So um, a lot of people that that love Halloween, there's a real you know, clearly there's a big Halloween cult following. A lot of them love this movie because it does get back to the bare bones basic of what that movie used. It's not a copycat. There's a bunch of differences. I'm not saying that, but I do feel like there's some realistic kills in this movie. Look, there's only two kills in this whole damn movie which is kind of unusual for what we cover. But the two kills outside of Mike, so the one kill, I guess. James's kill, super realistic. The attempt to kill uh, Kristen is really realistic, and I feel like that really helps. So, again, very, very, very Halloween vibes. Halloween 78, not Halloween Resurrection or 5. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I love you, brother Nico. I, I want to agree with you real quick, Mike. Um, Pray at Night. I don't hate that movie, but it is it's the not terrible opposite of this movie. That it's it's really fast paced. Um, I mean, it's got some good scenes in it, but it definitely doesn't have the same vibe as this movie. Um, I'm gonna ask y'all to go first and let me go last tonight since I picked it. And I want to kind of just rant for a little bit. Um, Mike, Brian, whoever wants to go first, y'all just go ahead and have at it. Go ahead, Brian. I'll go. Um. Look, like I said to begin with, I hadn't seen this movie before this, and I know I nitpicked a lot of it, but I, I really, really enjoyed this movie a, a lot more than I thought I was going to. I mean, there's, you know, for a movie, a movie's got to pique my interest a lot for me to just go, you know, I want to go watch it, go rent it, especially with kids. It's, it's hard to just, it's hard <laughs> to just find the time to even do that to begin with. But, um, and, and a lot of slasher movies and things like that, you know, you, you root for, you almost, I almost root for the bad guy. I almost root for who you, yeah. you know, the slasher, you know, like Silent Night, Deadly Night, Jason, you know, every Halloween movie those, I've I, ever seen. I'm, <laughs> I'm going for, I'm going for the killer. And right. I hated the fucking killers in this yeah. movie or in this movie. And that's a testament to the writing. A hundred percent It's great. I felt exactly probably what the writers expected me to feel. Um, and I, I will rate this movie an eight, um, out of 10. And, Honestly, if if I would have gotten what I wanted to get at the end of it, I probably even would have gone a little bit higher with it. But I really did enjoy this movie. Hey, what's your? Did you pick a least favorite and favorite kill? I mean, it's only two of them. It only really two. So. Uh, okay, yeah. So my favorite one is dude's head getting blown off just right. because of the realism looking of it. And my least favorite would be the other one. Just you know, but they're both very realistic, like we've talked about, and that adds a lot to this, the creepiness of this movie. Go ahead, Mike. So, just to get out of the way, least favorite kill and favorite kill are kind of a wash. Like, I'm just going to go tie. There's only two kills, and I think they're both kind of realistic, and I, I kind of like them both equally the same. So, I didn't really have a pick there. Like, I just kind of think they're kind of a wash. They tie on both categories. Um, I've left something out of fun facts. So, they spent a lot of money to get the Merle Haggard Mama Trites on. They spent... Almost as much money getting the rights to use that song as they did to get one of the cameras for this movie. So they put a lot to get that wow. song in that scene. 
was a they they had to fight legal and all this other stuff, but it did eventually work out. And I think it makes wow. I think it makes that scene. I think it's really well done. I thought that was really cool. I've left that out. Um, I think this movie's really good. I love this movie. And, and again, there's some nitpicks. You have to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, that's most horror. So I'm not like, I'm not going to hammer that. Um, I'm going to give this movie just a flat seven. I think it's really, really good. Um, it takes a lot to go past seven for me. And I listened back to one of our other shows the other day where I gave a movie above this movie. I like this movie more than I do, than I do Friday part four. <laughs> so I should probably re-rate that movie. And I like Friday part four. It's not that. I just, if I'm weighing which one I enjoy more, I'm going to pop this in before I do that movie. So I think it's a flat seven. And I love the characters of the strangers. Praise at night does not capitalize on the really good suspense that this movie lays out. So if you get a chance to see the sequel, I say see it, but don't be expecting the same kind of movie that you see here. And uh, I'll watch it whenever, whenever Nico watches 2016 Blair Witch, I'll watch it. Yeah, y'all have to honestly y'all should watch it at the same time. Let's do movie versus movie. Hey, let's do movie versus movie. We'll do the Blair Witch pro or actually it's just simply titled Blair Witch from 2016. And we'll do Stranger Praise at Night and we'll combat the two. We'll talk about them off of each other. <laughs> That'd be kind of fun. And by the way, Nico, since you're here, we're live on our podcast. Well, eventually we're, we're gonna have to do movie versus movie. Like I'm down to do Freddy's Dead versus Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs> I'm almost, almost going to stay off that subject right now because I'm, <laughs> I'm in a I'm in a I'm in a good mood right now. I um, love you, buddy. I love you, man. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much agreeing with what Mike said. Uh, they're both the kills are good to me. I don't really yeah, have necessarily so a favorite I, because I mean I wrote the favorite is James. And my least favorite was Mike, but to me both of them, you know, are, the the tension is real, the right. terror is real. So I don't I don't have a least or you know, they're tied. I'll just rate them. I'll tie them. All right, before I say my actual number rate, I'm just going to read off the things I wrote. This movie has some nitpicks. It has a false <laughs> jump scare or two in it. However, this movie has it all to me. It has the real life terror. It has This is something I know it's probably going to like catch all the attention, but to me this movie felt like an hour and 16 minute version of the opening scene of Scream. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yeah. I, I wrote down, I can feel the terror and the fear between the two main characters the whole movie. I feel their, their hopelessness. It has some of the most iconic visuals to me. The scene, the scene you know, with Kristen smoking and you see Sackhead in the hallway. Like, I remember all right, back in 2008 when me and my friends went and saw this movie. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I was the only one who was 17. The rest of them weren't old enough to get in. So I don't know if y'all remember this movie or not, but they went and saw that movie, The Love Guru, with Mike Myers. Boo, one of the worst damn films ever made. Fuck you, Mike So, so while, they went and watched, shitty Mike Myers. while they went and watched the comedy, I went by myself to watch this movie to watch The Strangers. I remember, you know, when that scene happened where she's smoking and you see Sackhead. I still remember, you know, this lady saying, oh, hell no. And, you know, <laughs> it, and everybody was so scared at that moment. It wasn't even, nobody even laughed. Nobody made a noise, nothing. They were just all panicking. And I, I still remember sitting in that seat and hearing that. And I, that moment, I wrote down, that moment just stuck with me forever. I, I remember how I felt walking out of that movie theater. 
And to me, this movie, it still holds up in 2008 if you watch just this movie without the second one. Because the second one kind of makes Sackhead a freaking Jason or Michael Myers type. He's super strong, hard to kill. But um, this movie just felt, like I said, it just feels real. Um, it feels... The, I still you can watch this movie at home by yourself or with your significant other in right. a dark room and still feel the tension and all the terror Absolutely. and I'm going to be the first one to do it because I still have the nostalgia I'm giving this movie a 10 out of 10 holy <laughs> hey and by the way that's okay <laughs> and you know I gave what Halloween 78 9.5 and only because it there's some stuff that doesn't age well so I think if you love this movie and, and it has a nostalgic pull for you, I think 10 out of 10 is fine, brother. Like, I got no issue that, with that. That's what I'm saying. It has everything. It has the, the fear. It has the realism. Um, right. It has the nostalgia for me. It, it, has, it has all of it to me. And I know right. Brian Brian was close to giving Scream a 10. He was at 9.5. He'd probably go back and give it a 10 if he could. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I love Scream too. Like I, I think I gave it a flat 9 only just only because I, I have not found a 10 movie. As far as horror goes, but Halloween Sony is pretty close. Well, I'll say you—you you said that this was like the opening, opening to to Scream, and you saw how much I love Scream. Like I really, it's top three favorite horror Scream. movies for me ever. Love I love Scream. Scream, but this movie did that tension way better than oh, Scream yeah. did. Absolutely, way better. Yeah. And you know, I, I can't—I honestly, I can't say enough about this movie. And and you talk about your theater experience. That's kind of the same way or the same kind of experience I had with. Uh, paranormal activity and with Blair Witch Project in the theater that right. added so that added so much to it. Honestly, now and I don't know if it's because I'm older or what. I hate going to the theater to watch a horror movie because I hate the reactions from the rest of the people. And I'm like the same I went, way. when I went to see 2018 uh, Halloween in the theater, yeah, I'm the same way. Kill everybody around me, just screaming and laughing and blah, it's so loud and everything. It's like it gives them, it gives people more of I don't know. It, I don't know why people go crazy in horror movies, but they do. But right. but you can't take away the uh, the experiences that you know you have with some of them, especially like this one, like you said. Brian, it's, I actually made a YouTube video back in 2016. I went and saw that movie Lights Out, and literally the whole movie theater would not <laughs> shut the hell up the whole time. Oh, I put on, I made a YouTube video that said I will never go see another horror movie. That's within the first three weeks of it being out. I'm gonna wait right. until like it's about to get pulled almost. Yeah, and it really sucks because you I pay know. damn near twenty dollars for a ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, drinks and you know snacks cost twenty dollars almost, and then you got people talking on their phone the whole damn time. They need to have. I'm I'm just ranting about movies now. You need to have people <laughs> in there telling people shut the hell up or you got to leave. But yeah. anyway, go ahead, Mike. I saw you put your hand up. Well, no, you guys, all of you. Hey, you you both make a good point, man. I went and saw Halloween 2018, and imagine me, lifelong, big time, Michael yeah. Myers stand. Yeah. I'm in a theater, and I, every other thing is, oh shit, oh yeah. no, don't do that, you know. And uh, that sounded really bad, but no, dude, there was this really hillbilly <laughs> motherfucker. Hold on, excuse my language. There's this real hillbilly motherfucker. Leave this in. Who's sitting next to me? Who's literally almost commentating the whole movie like we would. Like, yeah. I'm like, come on, man. Like, I, I like this dialogue, but let's wait till it's over. Like, come on, man. So I'm with you. I don't have the theater experience from this movie. And I think I do think it adds to the enjoyment. Like you mentioned, Brian, I got to see Fernando on activity in the theater maybe two days after it came out. And 
that is why that movie sticks with me. Like, I'm not scared by those types of things, but I can appreciate the reaction of the people in the theater around me. They were freaking out. People were almost like standing on their chair and stuff like that. And I know, and you read online about this movie that you're, you know, that we covered today, Strangers. Same thing. Because people can relate to people coming into their house and fucking with them. And people are like, oh, shit. So I can only imagine what it would have been like to see the movie (laughs) in the theater back then, man. I I can totally understand that. Yesterday, no, Friday at work, my wife is home with, you know, my newborn baby and my son. And, you know, I don't I don't know how it is where you guys live, but there is a lot of sex trafficking that happens in our neck of the woods, in the panhandle up here, especially on our, you know, you know, towards the end here, towards Alabama. Well, while I was at at work, I have cameras outside and when they pick up motion, you know, I get notifications on it. So my wife is I, I, I look on I get a notification and look on the camera and there is a woman that's walking up to my house just with red hair, you can tell is messed up on drugs, like big time. You can tell like she's itching. She's, you know, she's the typical, like you would assume meth head walking up to my house. And I start like, Oh shit, like what's going on. Then I get another notification and I can hear my dog barking through the door and her leaving. So, you know, I'm, my wife won't answer the phone. So I go home. She was in the shower and thankfully, my son, we have beat it into him enough to not answer the door when somebody knocks on the door. But it's so it, it watching this movie today. That's what I kept thinking of. And I promise you watching this movie today, I checked to make sure my doors were locked three or four times today when I would leave right. more than more than I normally would. So this movie really affected me a lot, like psychologically, like because of how realistic it is. Right. Yeah, this movie just. I'm I'm not, I'm trying not to just beat that one scene, but you know it's like whenever it just shows Sackhead just watching her in the hallway, it just makes you feel like it just gives you that like scared to death, hopeless feeling. And you know, as the after that scene, you know, you see her phone, her phone charger's cut, uh, the smoke detector got picked up. You know, she knows somebody's in this house. Obviously, it's just the I think this movie just really did a very very good job just creating just the internal terror um mike do you got any final thoughts or you, you want to get jump into this uh, question we got from a, a fan love this movie glad you made us watch it again it had been a while um i i don't uh brother drew could not be with us tonight i know he would provide some balance so we heaped a lot of love <laughs> on this film <laughs> he probably would have uh you know had the other side of the argument but uh uh but i think it's really good and I think I highly normally I don't do this with, with our movie because I, I think it kind of goes without saying if you're listening to this review, you've either seen this film or you're going to see it. I think you should watch this movie. I think it's awesome. I think for its time, and this is my kind of movie. I love Halloween 78, so this kind of draws off of that. Like just the it's not a slasher, but it is a slash. Like it it's really hard to explain. So big thumbs up. God you picked it, Nico. For sure. And one more thing about it is this movie's not long. It's only an hour and I was saying, minutes. It so is a right. very short I watch. Mean, That's why I watched if, it twice. If you only have, like, if you just need something to do to burn an hour and a half, just watch this movie real quick, you know? Absolutely. But but um, we got a question from a fan on Twitter. Uh, Benjamin is at his ping, golf 24 And he has just a pretty generic but very broad question. <laughs> 
he asked all of us on the pod, what's our favorite horror flick? And uh, I already know Mike, uh, we've already, we are, he's already kind of said it throughout this pod. So go ahead, Mike, tell us why Halloween 78 is your favorite. Um, Halloween 78 is my favorite because one, I love the character of Michael Myers and I'll defend it until the cows come home. I, I, this isn't the podcast to get into that, but what I'll say is I think it's, it, it stands the test of time with the way it uses. I repeat these words all the time, mood, atmosphere, lighting. It does all of those three things so well. And we nitpicked it to death. Like, don't get me. It was really hard, even for me. It was really hard to find nitpicks in the movie when we reviewed it. It's like we have to find something negative to talk about because you can't just love, 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 love a film. But I almost gave it a 9.5. I just love the character of Michael Myers. I really do. I've always, always have, always will. And I, it's the grandfather. It's the grandfather of one of my favorite genres, which is slasher. It, it started it all. It started everything. It started Jason. It started Freddy. It started Le- even Leatherface, it, you know, to an extent anyway. And so it started a lot of what we really like to cover, which is making horror more mainstream, making horror more relevant, making horror. So I think the film stands up. And I just, it's kind of weird because I'm young, I'm 27 years old. And Halloween 78 is still my favorite horror movie. Like I, I will watch it. I probably watch it five times a year. I really do. I, I probably watch Halloween 78 five times a year at least. So just love the movie. Big fan of John Carpenter as well. He's got some other really good movies. So I think that also that also plays into it. All right, bro. I'll go next and I'll let you go last. Though. <laughs> this is a hard, hard question to answer, honestly. It's super yes. hard because, you know, like we've said all night is there's different subgenres of this genre. Yeah. But after, you know, some quick thought. I chose the original Saw movie. Um, honestly, to be honest, it's not my favorite. It's not the most rewatchable of the whole series to me. But I still remember being, I don't remember how old I was, but I remember my mom taking me and my brother to movie gallery in Live Oak. And yeah. we got this movie on, um, shit, was it v- DVD maybe? We got Saw on DVD. And I swear to God, whenever at the very end of this movie, after watching all these traps and all that, I swear, whenever that old dude in the middle of the floor stood up, I was, as the young kids say right now, I was shook. <laughs> when 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 John Kramer stood up and told Adam that the key was in the bathtub and, like, we thought this guy was dead the whole movie, that twist blew my mind, honestly. I did not expect that at all. That's, one of, that's another one of those movies and scenes that will stick with me forever. I'll never forget watching that movie. And whenever we review Saw, I'm probably going to – gush and love all over it too but um i will too i love that saw saw is my favorite fran- horror franchise honestly friday the 13th is right behind it like oh, nipping wow. at its heels that's shocking nipping to me right, that you said that nipping right <laughs> at its heels but um to me the difference we saw on friday the 13th is saw just makes you use your mind the whole movie and i love that so my personal favorite horror film is uh the original saw and like i told benjamin on twitter once I got hooked to the Saw franchise, every single Halloween, whenever these movies came out, I went and saw it in theaters. This is right. before people were, you know, annoying assholes at the theaters. <laughs> um, you know, people actually watched them and enjoyed them. Brian, what's your uh, favorite horror flick? So, I think it, mine's probably, 
I say I'm going to go opposite of Mike, and it's interesting too because Yours Mike is controversial. Is, Mike's younger. Mike's younger, and he has an older, older pick. Whereas I'm older, and I started on those old movies. You know, the old movies like Halloween, like you know, the Friday Thirteenth, the Nightmares, stuff like that. And my favorite is not the top of my list for scariest. It, I have a different movie for that. I have a different movie for maybe best, best done. You know, horror movie, I don't think it's a horror movie, but if you're asking me what my favorite is, I kind of judge that by a whole bunch of different criteria. One of them is definitely watchability factor for me. Like he, like, like Mike said, and you get, you said, Nico, you watch these movies like over and over and over again, and you don't get tired of them. I can watch, I watch Halloween almost every Halloween, yeah. but I get tired of it. Right, I did not, right. even, I didn't, I didn't have to rewatch it at all. To, to do our, our horror movie, you know, our review podcast that we did because, you know, it's, I've watched it so many times. It's just ingrained in who I am. But the fact that I get tired of it is, you know, it can't be my favorite. So like the, the 2009 remake of Friday the 13th is my favorite horror movie. If I had to say one, I, I can watch that over and over and over and over again and not get tired of it. Now, maybe that changes when I get older. I don't know, but I've seen my, it used to be, for instance, uh, one of the Friday the Thirteenth six, and I really, but as I've gotten older, I don't know if I've, if I've seen it too many times, and I'm tired of it, or I don't know. I just really think that to me, the 2009 remake of of Jason was everything I've ever wanted Jason to be a Jason movie to be. It took all the aspects of all of the movies. I always say, you know, whenever we post something on Twitter, and I'm always like, well. This uniform, this this outfit, this mask would right. go better in this movie, and this actor would go better in this movie. And to me, this movie finally took all of the aspects of Jason and all the aspects of the Friday the Thirteenth movies that I liked and put them together into one. Thing. That's why it's my favorite. I have a lot of thoughts about O Nine Jason, but I'm gonna save it for when we cover that movie. And I don't mean it in a negative; I mean it in a positive. Like we're you know, I ranked it, I think I ranked it two or three when we ranked our Friday the 13th. And so, again, I'm I'm with both of you. I love the first Saw. I love the Friday the 13th uh, remake or reboot, if you will. Again, how honestly, Halloween 78 is my favorite just because I enjoy that franchise so much. And I feel like it's, the to me, it's the best movie of the franchise, which is kind of maybe not saying a whole lot about that franchise, but... Whatever. Halloween 2018 was really good too. So, you know, that, that's okay. Uh, Benjamin, uh, appreciate the question. Yeah, man. thank um, you, man. Uh, we're going to close this out now. Um, guys, uh, follow us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We've got all of those. I actually uh, today pinned a tweet that links you to all of those. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Uh, we really appreciate it. We appreciate all the yes. love we've been getting. We're not entirely sure what we're doing next week yet. We, if if what we've got cooked up for y'all goes through, we got a really really uh, something big coming for the uh, first review of the new year. Yes. But we will let you ever all the fans know uh, what the net move is for next week. We really appreciate the support, um, Mike Brian. I appreciate you guys doing the show with me. We miss Drew tonight. Cause I'm I appreciate sure. Appreciate you, man. Knowing Drew, who who the hell knows? Drew might have came on here and gave this movie a nine or ten. Man, I was just thinking that. What if it was all a swerve? 
Oh, it's that's what I, that's, why I, that's why I called him out. I called him out on Twitter for that exact <laughs> thing because he's so he, he prides himself on uh, on not yeah, letting, not wanting you to know how he really feels about it. So I went the opposite way and said, "Okay, didn't well, you're deny gonna it either. <laughs> he didn't say shit. So it makes me think he was gonna get this movie a nine. Like I'm thinking this movie's gonna be a nine. nine I don't know. Well, well, maybe we'll find out next time we can ask him. But appreciate we appreciate the support, guys, yeah. and we're going to be uh, coming even stronger into the new year. Uh, everyone, have a merry Christmas! Merry Christmas! Uh, Happy, Happy New Year! year. Uh, appreciate the support, everybody. Y'all have a good one. Thank right. you. Thank you. And uh, just want to remind everybody to uh, don't go out there. First thing I remember knowing was a lonesome whistle blowing and a youngin's dream of growing up to ride on a freight train leaving town, not knowing where I'm bound, and no one can change my mind but Mama.